You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast, www.savagelovecast.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual On Friday, the Republican governor of Florida finally, finally issued a stay-at-home order, a decree, weeks after the state's beaches were packed with spring break revelers. We all saw the video. Better late than never, I suppose, but it's a little like the mayor in Jaws waiting until after the great white has finished eating the very last kid in town before finally closing the beaches. Interestingly, and by interestingly, I mean whatever the fucking fuck, the governor's order exempts religious services in Florida. And it overturns stay-at-home orders previously issued by Florida cities and counties that closed churches. The governor's order says that only essential businesses can remain open and people can only leave their homes for essentials. And all those suburban mega churches that have opened up and abandoned J.C. Penney's up and down the state are defined as essential. Did the virus draft this decree? California has the most cases of this coronavirus after New York, and Florida is headed where California is now. So you would think that when Florida's governor sat down to draft his stay-at-home decree, he might have looked to California, where health officials in at least one county have determined that fully a third of their cases can be traced back to a church service. One of the largest outbreaks of COVID-19 in the entire United States, 71 cases traced back to a single service at a California megachurch. Here in Washington State, a church choir decided to go ahead with rehearsal at their suburban church. 60 people showed up to sing. They all used hand sanitizer. No one shook hands. No one hugged. Two weeks later, 45 of those 60 people are infected. Three are hospitalized. Two are dead. Three weeks ago, Louisiana, megachurch packed 2,000 people into one service. There were fewer than 200 cases in Louisiana at the time. Now there are more than 13,000 cases, 500 deaths. A coincidence? Yeah, most likely not. Pack your elderly white evangelical believers into the pews, and pretty soon you'll be stacking those evangelical white believers in refrigerated trucks. But try telling that to this lady. Driving out of this Ohio parking lot is a woman who just attended a church service with dozens of other people including children. Can I ask you about your decision to go to church to be inside that building? I wouldn't be anywhere else. Aren't you concerned you could infect other people if you get sick inside? No. People who don't go to this church? No. I'm covered in Jesus' blood. I'm covered in Jesus' blood. But what other people who don't go to this church who you might encounter? All of these people go to this church. No, but you're going to be in places where other people I go to the grocery store every day. I'm in Walmart, Home Depot, all of those people. But you could get them sick from what happens They could get me sick, but they're not because I'm covered in his blood. Thank you very much. We all know what's going on here, besides the kind of narcissistic, magical thinking personality disorder that has convinced this woman that Jesus will save her while he lets others die. It's about money. Churchgoers put money in collection plates. They don't donate online so much. Close the church to save the lives of the faithful, and you risk bankrupting the preacher. Got to keep that grift going. But hey, credit where credit is due. The National Association of Evangelicals, which used to be headed up by a meth-smoking, gay escort-banging closet case, but we'll let that slide for now in the interest of unity. Anyway, sorry, the National Association of Evangelicals is actually encouraging people to stay home and pray in place. But the National Association of Evangelicals doesn't have the power to prevent individual evangelical pastors from going rogue and opening the doors at the old J.C. Penney. 
because there is no evangelical pope who can close down a megachurch or excommunicate its leaders, we're going to keep seeing people headed to services. This is another example, as if we needed another one, that proves that these people either don't know what's in the book, they're always waving in our faces, or they don't care. Hating on immigrants, denying healthcare to sick people, despising the poor and the homeless, not wanting to pay your goddamn taxes so the federal government can prepare for things like pandemics. Jesus hates all that shit. Right there in the Bible. Take care of the sick, welcome the foreigner, house the homeless, pay your fucking taxes. Also known as rendering unto motherfucking Caesar that which is motherfucking Caesar's. There's even advice in the Bible, in the Sermon on the Mount, one of Jesus' greatest hits, right after he says nothing about abortion and right before he says nothing about homosexuality, he says this, When thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy closet door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. So to the lady coming home from that ill-advised church service in Ohio, you don't have to go to the old J.C. Penny to reenact Carrie, the musical, with your buddy Jesus. He can dump a bucket of blood over your head in the safety of your own home. Go home, evangelical Christian lady. Stay there. Pray in one of your closets like Jesus told you to. But maybe not the closet where your 14-year-old kid is currently hiding from you. One of the others. All right, coming up on today's show, on the micro edition of the Savage Lovecast, tons of your cues, lots of my A's, and Dr. Barack Gaster joins us to talk about the impending golden age of glory holes. No, he doesn't want to talk about that. We talk about some other stuff COVID-related. And on the magnum edition of the Savage Lovecast that you can subscribe to at savagelovecast.com, twice as much show, no ads, more guests. Pete Dominic, host of Stand Up with Pete Dominic, joins us to play the straight man. All that coming up on today's show. Thanks to Roman for supporting the Savage Lovecast. Roman is a men's health company that offers remote online diagnosis for ED and convenient monthly delivery of medication. For a free online visit and free two-day shipping, go to GetRoman.com slash Savage. MeUndies makes feel-good underpants your butt will be proud to wear and you will be proud to be seen in. They will be the most comfortable pair of underwear you will ever own. And to check it out yourself, go to MeUndies.com slash Savage. This episode is brought to you by Helix Sleep, the best mattress for your individualized comfort. Right now, my listeners get up to $200 off all mattress orders at helixsleep.com slash savage. Hi, Dan, 27-year-old cis straight female on the East Coast. Um, don't have a question, more of a quarantine going crazy related story. I live in an apartment with my fiancé, and there has been a lot of work being done on the facade of the building for about a year now. And usually I'm at work, so I don't hear it. Uh, but as of late, I have been hearing a lot of banging and drilling and hammering. And the other day, I was hearing a lot of noise coming from this one wall in my bedroom. And it was consistent and sort of just didn't even sound like the workers. But I emailed the building manager complaining that it was unacceptable that at these late hours, there was still work being done on the building and how inappropriate it was. I was very, very angry and I'm putting my ear to the wall. I don't know where it's coming from. We don't share that wall with a neighbor. I'm not actually even sure which, what goes inside, what's on the other side of that wall. And I'm now reaching out to my landlord saying how terrible this is. And I go into the room and I'm putting my ear to all parts of the wall and it, it's not really as loud on my fiance's side of the bed. And I go back to my, uh, my side of the bed and it turns out that it was just my vibrator. 
in my side table, which presses up against the wall that had been going off for three hours because I've been using it a lot because I'm in quarantine and I have quarantine brain. I don't know. I thought it was funny. Hopefully you do too. I did think it was funny. Thank you for calling in and sharing your quarantine sex story. And I hope you have plenty of batteries in your house and that you're not going to have to run out and stock up. I would call batteries for vibrators essential. I don't know what the governor of your state might call them, but I would consider that essential. Again, thank you for calling. We are opening the show this week with a quarantine sex story. We invite you to call in and share your quarantine sex story with us, 206-302-2064, and we might open next week's show with yours. All right, on to the regular questions. Hey, Dan. I'm in my 30s. I live in California. I'm in lockdown. And I am wondering if you have any recommendations on Jill's security for when you are doing video calls with somebody and you want to do some sexy stuff. I usually don't take pictures of myself in sexually vulnerable positions because I worry about that being exploited. So if you have any best practices on how to prevent this uh, now more than ever, I think it's needed. Help us, Dan. The only way to ensure your security is to video chat or swap sex messages with someone you trust. But the world is full of people whose trust was violated. You know, people cheat, people get their hearts broken, revenge porn. There's no guarantee that your judgment when you decide to invest your trust in someone is going to be 100% perfect. And so there's a risk here. There's an inherent risk, an unavoidable risk. If you want to eliminate any risk of your photos or videos winding up circulating on the internet, you shouldn't be sending your dirty photos and sexually vulnerable positions or sexually vulnerable positions out to even people you love because people are often betrayed by the people they love. When we talk about revenge porn, it's almost always a former romantic partner and almost always a male former romantic partner who posted those videos, who posted those photos that their former partner who once trusted them made with the understanding that they wouldn't be shared and their trust was violated and hence revenge porn laws now to try to stop people from doing that sort of shit to each other. But there's no way to eliminate the risk. That said, for years now, I've been arguing that we're approaching a kind of tipping point, a sexed singularity, where everyone will have photos and videos out there so no one's photos and videos can be weaponized against them without all of us feeling at risk ourselves. And therefore, hopefully people are less likely than to weaponize someone's photos or videos against them or fire someone for having photos or videos out there online that are dirty or quote-unquote inappropriate because the person in the position of having to do the firing knows that they have those photos and videos out there too and they don't want that to be the standard reaction in corporate America or any other corner of America when someone's photos or videos are found, often by a malicious actor. Because we all know in the backs of our heads that there but for the grace of God go I. That's been, I think, coming. And this, the coronavirus, I think is going to bring us a lot closer to the sexed singularity where videos and photos that are dirty being online are less of a threat to us professionally, socially, personally, because everyone has them out there because so many people right now are being advised by health authorities, by government authorities to sext, to video chat with their lovers rather than meeting up with their lovers unless they're quarantined with your lovers, unless you're physically distancing with your lovers, they're living with you right now. Health departments, major cities, 
major states, health departments are advising people to sext and video chat. So the day when we've all got them out there is coming a lot faster than I thought it was, than I knew it would, when I predicted that we would arrive at a point where this wasn't a problem anymore. So I would encourage you, if this is your only outlet and it'll help keep you sane, to take the risk. Because I think the risk is small, that this is your sex getting out there in front of your employer or your mother, a low probability, high consequence event. Millions and millions and millions of people every day are swapping sex and getting online and chatting with each other. We hear about the people whose lives or careers were complicated or blown up or derailed by someone, an ex usually, abusing the trust that the person placed in them when they shared these videos or made these videos with them. But we don't hear about the successes. So I think the risk is lower than we perceive it to be. And the more people sex, the more people get online and dirty chat and masturbate together, the lower the already low risk becomes over time. It's officially spring, which means it's officially spring cleaning time. And who amongst us does not have more time to do that spring cleaning these days? It's a thing that you should do, especially with your underwear drawer and your relationship with toxic old tattered undies and move on to a me undies membership and get yourself the softest undies ever to grace your nethers. A fresh start for spring. All the me undies stuff is great. I am a huge fan of the lounge pants, the fabric, that micromodal fabric that you've heard so much about that they make their lounge pants and underpants and t-shirts out of really is the coziest goddamn thing you have ever pulled on. Whenever I'm home and I'm home a lot right now, as so many of us are, I am in my me undies lounge pants and I am growing a huge collection of me undies t-shirts. They are so comfy. And you should get yourself a Me Undies membership. Why would you need an Undies membership? Honestly, because it's fun. It's an easy way to give your future self a present each month. A membership with Me Undies is full of perks like site wide savings, early access, free shipping, and new ridiculously soft Undies delivered to your door each month. Building your undie collection makes your adult life just a tad easier. More undies equals less laundry. It's science. And me undies are made again with micromodal. What the heck is that? It is a magical, sustainable, soft as heck fabric made from trees. Yes, trees that'll make your bits feel like they're floating on a cloud. MeUndies are offered in a range of sizes from XS to 4XL. And MeUndies has a great offer for my listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off and free shipping. This is a no-brainer, especially because they have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. To get your 15% off your first order, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash savage. That's MeUndies.com slash savage. Hi, Dan, 51-year-old, cis-bi, married lady from the East Coast. I'm imagining that you've been bombarded with relationship questions as of late with many people stranded at home. My question is not really about a relationship, but more about privacy. I think this thought entered my mind due to the current turmoil in the world. I've kept journals off and on throughout my life and realized that I would not like anyone to read these journals after I pass. These journals include private thoughts about my children, my relationships, sexual adventures, etc., I thought at one time that I'd like my daughter to read them so she can learn more about me after I die, but I think some of the entries would tarnish her view of me. As you always say, you cannot unknow what you already know. Should I ask a relative like my sister-in-law, whom I am close with and trust, to destroy them if anything should happen to me, or should I trust my spouse to do this? 
If I were him, I would pro- I would probably want to read them and see what he had said about me. One thought was to keep them in a lockbox with a warning label, but this may just increase a person's curiosity and they would find a way to break the lock. I could see some of your listeners asking, why don't you just destroy them now and then not have to worry about it? But I know if I live into my 70s or 80s and beyond, then I will want to read them for nostalgia. They have a lot of sentimental value to me. I feel like I'm becoming more anxious about this as the world chaos escalates. Any advice from you or your readers would be appreciated. Social scientists, according to an article I recently read, bemoan the fact that fewer and fewer people keep journals, keep diaries. When you think of you know the social histories that we've read about the Second World War, about the Civil War, often what's mined in those social histories are people's diaries and the letters they wrote to each other. Well, now with email and text messages, we're not going to have those letters and people don't keep, for the most part, it's rare now for someone to find the time to keep a diary. A lot of people used to keep diaries to pass the time. And now we have Candy Crush or whatever the latest Candy Crush is. And we have Twitter and time that out of boredom, a lot of people used to write down what happened to them during their day or their thoughts about current events. That time is eaten up by other things, by distractions, by online video, sex chats and the rest. So, your diaries could be very valuable to social scientists in the future. I would encourage you to perhaps approach some social scientists and ask if they have archivists and ask about donating your diaries or having your diaries donated by the executor of your will to a library and then put under lock and key for a hundred years until everyone that might be hurt or might have their illusions about who their mother was tarnished is dead. And then it would be a resource to people who are trying to write the social history of the 21st century. You could also ask someone that you trust to destroy them. If I was that person, I would probably wind up reading them before I destroyed them because people are going to be curious. I think you would have better luck with a lawyer and a will and a donation to a university if you want them to be private forever or private at least until everyone that you know and love and who knew and loved you is dead, dead, dead. Sleep and sex, that's what I live for. Maybe not always in that order. They both require, though, the best mattress ever, and that mattress is a Helix mattress. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. If you prefer a mattress that's really soft or really firm, if you sleep on your side or your back or your stomach, or you sleep really hot, you have that body that heats up at night. With Helix, there is a specific mattress for each and everybody's unique tastes and unique needs. You don't have to take my word for it. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress of 2019 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Helix also actually designed their mattress with sex in mind, which you would think all mattress companies would do, but they don't. But Helix does. All their mattresses are hybrids, meaning they have both foam and springs in them. Unlike so many other companies, having springs in your mattress rather than just foam keeps you from sinking in too much and gives you the perfect level of bounce that you're going to need. Their high-quality springs are incredibly quiet and won't sag even during your most athletic non-sleeping activities. Helix mattresses also have strong edge support thanks to their reinforced coil perimeter. 
This keeps things stable so you don't have to worry about rolling off the bed no matter where you're doing it. We took the Helix quiz and ended up with a Midnight Lux Helix mattress because we wanted something that felt firm for those non-sleep activities. And for when we do sleep, we tend to move around a lot at night. And the Midnight Lux was the perfect mattress for us. So... If you need a mattress and you need a good one, that busted old mattress you've been sleeping on, time to get rid of it. Go to helixsleep.com slash savage. Take their two-minute sleep quiz and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but I promise you, you will. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash Savage, do yourself a favor, get a new mattress, do us a favor, use our code. That's helixsleep.com slash savage for up to $200 off. Hi, Dan, Nancy, and the tech savvy at risk youth. I'm a cis hetero woman in my late 20s. I need your opinion on embarking on a possible BDSM relationship. I recently started seeing this guy before the COVID crisis hit the U.S., We have only been on technically four dates, but our relationship has kind of accelerated due to mandatory work from home and a possible lockdown in our state, meaning we slept with one another on the third and fourth date. Sexually, we seem highly compatible. We both have talked about how important sex is to us and both have high libidos. Additionally, he identifies as a switch, which is exciting to me since I have always wanted to dabble in BDSM and also think of myself as a switch. He has confessed to having fantasies of being tied up and dommed by a woman, which excites me because I've always wanted to explore the femdom side of me. He has actively listened to my own kinks and fantasies and has said he would be interested in being a part of them, not to mention he has an amazing body. On the character side, we have a lot of common interests, but a couple of relationship red flags have come up for me. He only recently got out of a four-year relationship and has been open with me in that he is trying to take things slowly emotionally. He has said that he tends to fall quickly and so do I. To that end, he is physically distant with me, showing closed-off body language until he's ready to initiate sex. He won't touch me, and usually I'm the one who has to ask him to touch my breasts or vagina. The last four times we had sex, I had to get myself off and had to ask him to touch me to help me come. Physical touch is very important to me, especially since it signals to me that someone is interested. Additional red flags include mentioning to me that he is a severe hypochondriac and talking a bit weirdly about previous girls he's dated, including calling one a gold digger when she expected him to pay for everything on dates. Granted, he is a bit socially awkward, but some of his comments have rubbed me a bit wrong. Additionally, he's very into his body And every time I compliment it, he says things like, oh, I know, or thank goodness I'm pretty. I've even caught him checking himself out in the mirror. And when I called him out on it, he's like, yeah, I'm a bit vain. Dan, I am not that sexually experienced or experienced with relationship. He's the only mm, second guy I've slept with. And I really want to explore my kinky side with this man. He seems very interested in my fantasies and eager to continue interacting with me. Not to mention, as a plus-size woman, I have not found a lot of cis-hetero guys who are interested in me, and the insecure part of me is afraid that this may be the only chance I get to play with a handsome, ripped guy. Should I continue dating this guy and see where our possible BDSM relationship goes, or should I nip this in the bud now that I have social distancing as an excuse to not see him and let it fizzle out? And if I do continue to see where this goes, how do I keep things interesting and sexy with a guy I barely know during a possible lockdown? 
No embarking, whether we're talking about relationships or cruise ships, which somehow people are still getting on. No embarking. Embarking for the moment is canceled. So you are not embarking on a relationship with this guy unless you, after four dates and a couple of rolls in the hay, are living together, which I doubt, and it's clear you're not. Uh, You're not going to be able to pursue anything with this person at the moment. That doesn't mean you can't keep texting, sexting, uh, video chatting with this dude if you want to continue to explore the relationship. You say this guy is socially awkward. All right. You also say he's incredibly hot. We'll get to that in a second. A lot of your red flags to me would seem to stem from that social awkwardness and they aren't red flags for abuse. They're not red flags for, you know, controlling, jealous, awful, emotional abuse. Uh, They're red flags for, you know, he may have a little bit of a disconnect that with your encouragement and with you articulating what it is that you need and want from him, he can overcome. When you said that he's a little physically distant and you had to ask him to touch you when you wanted to get off, my follow-up question for you would be, did he touch you? Did he come through with the kind of touch that you needed? Was it enthusiastic? Did he just need that prompt? And then he was giving you what it is that you needed in a way that was enthusiastic and not shaming and indeed helped you get off. And if the answer is yes, I would encourage you not to regard him needing that prompt, at least now, at least at this stage in the relationship, as disqualifying or as a deal breaker or as indeed a red flag. His hypochondria, again, I wouldn't say that's a red flag. I would say that's an annoying trait. I say that as a hypochondriac. I hate other hypochondriacs. And talking smack about ex-girlfriends, I think that you should say something to him about that. We don't want to hear it. Everybody's got shitty exes, but you know, when you're dating someone, you're just getting to know them and they start talking about how awful their exes are, it just makes you feel a little weird and insecure about what he might say about you to someone down the road if it doesn't work out and most new relationships don't. So you would prefer that he not mention his shitty exes just as you're not mentioning his shitty exes because it makes you feel uncomfortable. Now, onto the hottie hottie stuff and the conventional beauty gap that you perceive between you and him, that's a red flag. That's something that you should watch out for. Not that he can't legitimately be attracted to you. Not that you can't enjoy this opportunity to get with somebody who's got a banging body. What you want to be on the lookout for, though, is whether he's leveraging his looks against you to get you to do things that you don't want to do or to put you in a position where you feel like, like you said, you'd never have this opportunity to be with somebody as conventionally attractive as he is again. And so you will endure, agree to, put up with anything. I've seen this dynamic sometimes in the lives of my friends. You know, friend who's not conventionally attractive suddenly draws the eye of someone who is and there is nothing the hot person can't demand that the unconventionally attractive friend of mine didn't give, didn't seed because they didn't think they could pull someone like this ever again. When the lesson of pulling that person in the first place should be, I can pull these kinds of people that someone with this kind of body can be into me. That doesn't mean this is the only person with this kind of body who'll ever be into me. The lesson you should take away is, Hey, maybe I'm more attractive than I've given myself credit for. So while I think it's fine for him to be a little bit vain about his hot body, or at least he's being honest with you about his vanity, about his hot body, that's not what you want to be worried about. What you want to be worried about, the red flag you want to watch out for, and it hasn't appeared yet, is him manipulating you with his hotness. If he says to you, you'll never do better than me, 
something like that, that is a giant red flag and you should run. But based on what you've shared with me about this relationship so far, I don't think the things that you've identified as red flags, as annoying as they might be, are red flags. When we talk about red flags, we usually mean it's a relationship that's going to be controlling physically or emotionally abusive or toxic. These are quirks and maybe they have something to do with his social awkwardness. These are quirks and these are things that you've pushed back against and he has adjusted. He's behaved differently with you at your request. Keep having sex with him once we can embark on relationships again. Continue to see him and in time, he should get to a place where he doesn't need the prompt anymore to give you what you need to get off when you're together. If he continues to need the prompt in the short term, okay. If he can never catch a groove with you, well, that may become so annoying that you want to end the relationship because you're not feeling sexually satisfied or fulfilled by him. But that by itself is just a sad fact, not a red flag. So once we can embark on relationships, hot BDSM relationships with hot hotties who want to be femdommed, I think you should embark on this relationship when the time for embarking comes. If you were to guess on average how many days people in the United States have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically, a month. And if you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, hair loss, or cold sores, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you will hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel any time. So, if you're out there struggling with ED, hair loss, cold sores, or other issues, go to GetRoman.com slash Savage for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Savage for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Hey, Dan. I'm a longtime listener, and I have a question related to COVID-19 safety. I was thinking about how, like, they say that the virus can enter your body through, like, mucous membranes, like your eyes and your nose and your mouth. And I was wondering if for women, does that include our lady parts? Does that mean that, like, if we are wiping ourselves, we should wash our hands first and afterwards, like before we use the bathroom and after we use the bathroom? I'm not hearing anyone talk about this, but, you know, it wouldn't be the first time that women's health needs haven't been addressed. So I'm wondering if you or any of your experts might have an answer. Joining me by phone to help tackle this question, our longtime Savage Love medical expert, really our medical ombudsman, Dr. Barack Gaster, professor of medicine at the University of Washington. Hey, Dr. Gaster, how are you? I'm doing all right, Dan. Crazy times, crazy times. They are crazy times. It is really good to have you back. We listened to this question, and of course, we thought it would be perfect to have a male doctor on to talk about this. So the mucous membranes of the vagina and the, the, the labia, are those one of the mucous membranes that people need to be concerned about? No. You know, I mean, I think what's what's important to keep in mind is that 
the mucous membranes of not just the vagina, but the penis too, are very unlikely to be points of entry for coronavirus. That, you know, this is a virus that we are really solidly clear is very specialized to infect the respiratory tract, so the mouth, your throat, your nose, your lungs. And as long as you're washing your hands with warm, soapy water, you are you're going to be okay, and you're not going to be infecting your vagina or your penis with coronavirus. Um, you know, but the question is like, should she be wiping her hands before going to the bathroom and after going to the bathroom? The answer is yes, we should be washing our hands all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was going to say that anything that gets people washing their hands more often, maybe we should promote, even if it's not a risk because your lungs are yeah. connected to your vaginal canal, I think is the point here. Yeah. Uh, that, so, sure, wash your hands before you go to the bathroom and after you go to the bathroom. Wash your hands constantly. Yeah. I mean, when you walk into a bathroom and like, oh, there's the sink, you know, wash your hands. <laughs> I mean, really, like anytime you're walking by a sink and you're like, oh, I wonder if I should wash my hands. You should wash your hands. And and if that is a before going to the bathroom and after going to the bathroom activity, then absolutely all good. So so just so we can drill down on this and I can, and I can understand it, uh, you know, you have mucous membranes in your anus, you have mucous membranes in, around your vulva and, and vagina, uh, Mucous membranes in the eyes. There are mucus. You have mucous membranes that can be exposed to outside agents all around your body in different places yeah. of your body. But the ones that you need to be most concerned about are the ones that connect to your lungs. Right, the ones in your face, and and you know the the your tear ducts do kind of connect really sort of closely to your your nose and your the back of your throat, and and so you know just thinking of mucous membranes of your face as the zone that coronavirus is very, very interested in and the mucous membranes, other places in your body, um, the coronavirus is not designed or uh, evolved to, uh, to attack. And just to put an even finer point on this, this is not Dr. Gaster, this is not Dan Savage saying, it's okay for randos to eat your pussy. Right. So this is completely separate from the question of physical distancing. And so this is completely separate from the question of, you know, what are the risks of having uh, close contact, including sexual contact with people who are not in your kind of immediate home pod right now is really something that we have to put like a big global pause on because of the risk of uh, spreading coronavirus. You should only be having sex with people you already live with who, important caveat, want to have sex with you and aren't your parents. <laughs> That's right. Yep. I got a question from someone, though, and I'd like to get your medical opinion on this. It's a little out there, and I apologize. Sometimes the out there questions make you <laughs> uncomfortable, and I want, to, I want this to be a safe space for you, so you'll come back once every eight years or so. Uh, somebody wondered whether this might not be the golden age of glory holes. If someone is on the other side of a wall and they're just putting their genitals through the oh. wall and you can back your pussy or butt up onto their genitals and the wall is not like a partition in a bathroom, so they're not breathing la, la, over la, it la, 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 or under it. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. La, 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 la. You must have done something terrible in a past life that having to come back on the show and field questions like this. But would that be arguably 
not a violation of the social distancing if you were just popping your dick through a hole in an otherwise floor-to-ceiling complete wall and somebody else backed their genitals up onto it? Because those mucous membrane, or membrane, I don't know what the plural is, uh, we've just established aren't, uh, you know, a route of transmission for this virus. So is the golden age of glory holes upon us, potentially, if this goes on? <laughs> um. You're going to have to find a different expert to answer that question, Dan. Okay, we, that, that, I'm, that'll, I'm we'll just file that under a pass. Um, yes. There is one yes. thing, though, uh, I did want to ask you that I think you might be willing to answer. Jay Inslee, our governor here in Washington State, had a press conference the other day where he said social distancing, what we've been doing here in Seattle, which was uh, the first epicenter uh, in the United States uh, before New York overtook us, uh, what we're doing is working. And that's absolutely true. You know, it, it's so hard because there is clearly a two to three to even four week delay before you can really see flattening of the curve after restrictions, physical distancing starts coming into effect. And that's because it takes people a few weeks for it to sort of trickle out to to everybody and because uh, there is a incubation period of about five days for the virus, and it takes about two weeks for people to get, uh, for, for those who are going to get very, very sick from uh, COVID to get really sick. And so there is, we, we, we just have to be patient to see the changes, but they are definitely happening and coming, and there's just like no question at all. And what are those that changes is. that we're already seeing here in Seattle because of successful physical distancing? You know, it, it, it's like these very, very early signals in terms of the the number of people who are reporting having fever and, and cough. And, you know, we're still we're still seeing rising numbers of cases and rising number of people in the hospital because it's still it's still too early to really see that kind of peak sort of leveling off. Mm-hmm. But the, the very early signs of fewer people getting sick is happening. Well, that that means we all need to keep it up, right? We do. We do. And it's so hard. And, you know, I, I think the one of the most important things that I am telling people is just how important it is to still go outside, that as long as you are maintaining physical distance from other people when you're outside, being outside is safe. And, and it's so important for our physical health and our mental health to get outside that, that it, it, it's confusing when there's this sort of shelter in place message, because that really was, you know, really is designed for like a hurricane where you really are, should sort of stay indoors. And this is not that this is, it's okay to go outside. It's okay for, to go for a walk. It's okay to go for a run. You, you know, it's, I, you really do want to maintain, you know, distance from other people when you're outside, but it's okay to be outside. And that as long as you wash your hands, as soon as you get back inside, you are really going to be safe from this virus. And that it, it's just so that the, the, the rules are really simple. They are wash your hands a lot with warm, soapy water and, uh, and don't touch your face. And the one other really important public service sort of message is that if you're even a little bit sick, if you have like a mild sore throat, a, a little bit of a cough or a mild fever, 
like that's when you really shouldn't go to the grocery store. Like you've got to ask somebody to shop for you. And like right now, if you're feeling well, it is perfectly okay to go outside and we all need to go shopping for food. And it's okay to do that as long as you uh, wash your hands as soon as you get home. But if you are starting to feel sick, don't the like, oh, I'm just going to go to the grocery store one more time, or oh, I, you know, I'm worried that somebody else wouldn't get the exact right things for me if I ask them to shop for me, or I don't want to bother somebody else. This is the time for us all to really pitch in and reach out to your friends and reach out to your neighbors and ask them to go grocery shopping for you so that you don't have to go to the grocery store if you're feeling sick. All right, before we let you go, one last chance for you to jump in on this glory hole question. <laughs> oh, no. Um, yep, I don't have a I don't have an opinion on that, Dan. I'm okay, sorry Dr. Barack Gaster, <laughs> professor of medicine at the University of Washington. Thank you so much uh, for jumping on the phone today. We appreciate it. We know you must be incredibly busy. Stay well, Dan. Thanks so much. Hey, Dan. I am a 25-year-old lesbian woman. I am calling about a sex under quarantine question. I When, it, when my city shut down, I moved in with my girlfriend and her family uh, indefinitely, um, which was so great. I'm so appreciative of, of them, of letting me uh, stay in their house because I, I lived alone and I going home for me was not an option. Um, so that's been really amazing and and... I get on great with her parents. There are no issues there. The issue that I'm calling about is noise while having sex. So they have a really great apartment, but there are basically no doors. So like any noise above like a really quiet conversation can basically be heard in all the other rooms. Both of us have really high sex drives. Like usually she'd stay at my place. Not a problem at all. You know, I have doors and walls, which really feeling like I should have appreciated more. But yeah, I'm, I have a question about quiet sex because my girlfriend feels like she is struggling coming because she's just hyper aware of noise level. Um, I'm also like new to, you know, I haven't had that much sex with women. So it's something that I'm also aware of not being able to make her come. And it's kind of stressing both of us out. She's just getting in her head constantly. Like she doesn't even, I've said to her before, like it doesn't matter. Like if you're enjoying it, coming does not have to be like always the end goal it can also just be about our pleasure but she has just been getting in her head about it so i guess i'm asking for advice about getting out of your head when you are very aware that parents are there oh your question made me nostalgic for those times when i was a teenager in a closet case but hanging out in gay bars in chicago and occasionally snuck a full-grown adult gay man into my parents house while they were asleep and had gay sex uh, without getting caught. But we had these miracle things. We had doors and walls. And on the second and third floor, we had shag carpeting that helped muffle the sound. It was the 80s, 70s carpeting leftover. We had it into the 80s. Uh, and that helped. That said, it was very stressful, sneaking full-grown adult gay men <laughs> into my parents' house so I could have the sex I absolutely positively needed to have. But I didn't do that with everybody, with all the guys that I uh, got with when I was not quite all the way out yet. A lot of those guys messed around other places, not quite public places. I was never a bush or bathhouse guy or a park guy, but boy, stairwells and bathrooms uh, that locked in restaurants that were single seaters, they got a real workout. And 
you have that option, hopefully, in the apartment building where you and your girlfriend are staying. I would encourage you if the parents are the ones who walk to the grocery store every once in a while or they go for a walk every once in a while to seize those opportunities and fuck the shit out of each other. But if your parents, uh, if they're older and the deal is that they are not leaving the house and you guys as the younger folks are the ones going out into the world and taking those risks uh, to help protect their health, there has to be a stairwell. There has to be a rooftop. There has to be, if you have a bigger apartment building, a basement storage unit. Get creative about where you're doing it. Mix up the locations where you can be distanced from everybody else in the building. If there's a stairwell, then you can find a secret spot in it. Go there. If there's a storage unit in the basement, who knows? Maybe there's an old mattress in the storage unit in the basement and you can throw it on the floor. You know, one of the dangers for long-term couples is getting into a rut, always having the same kind of sex in the same place at roughly the same time and doing roughly the same things. You and your girlfriend have an opportunity early-ish, early on in your relationship to make sure you never fall into that rut, to develop the sexually adventuresome skill set of being able to get off standing up in a stairwell, not just laying down on a mattress or in a kind of dank and dark place, you know, like the basement storage unit or where you might be seen. If there's a spot on the roof and you guys can drag a couple of blankets up there and get under them, get creative. Like a couple of teenagers work around the problem of parents. One question though, if you had the option of, physically distancing yourself from others, of quarantining yourselves in your apartment, you and your girlfriend alone. I'm curious why you opted for her parents' apartment without the doors. I'm a big fan of doors, just like fences make good neighbors. Doors make good roommates and uh, good housemates and good apartment mates, and I would advocate for them. Maybe you can order a set for your girlfriend's parents as a thank you gift on Amazon. Before we get to your response calls, let's read some of your tweets. Rob Russell tweets, I just got an email from a financial advisor with the subject line, the bottoming process, avoiding mistakes. Frankly, I'd rather hear about it from the Savage Lovecast, not my investment guy. Brian tweets, for months I bugged a friend to listen to the Savage Lovecast and he didn't. As revenge, I bought him a Magnum subscription for Christmas. He is now a listener. Hashtag success. Thank you, Brian, for gifting the Savage Lovecast. And Damien Stewart tweets, PSA for couples who enjoy a third who is a regular or just anyone in their fuck buddies to check in on them now. If your third is single, it could really matter to them to hear from you, especially if the couple is all over social media about life in their own home during this shit. Hashtag Savage Lovecast. I am endorsing that tweet. If you have a regular playmate, a regular third, a very special guest star that you and your partner have spent a lot of time with, but you aren't sheltering with, you aren't physically distancing yourself from others with that person, give them a call. Let them know that you're thinking about them. Let them know that you're looking forward to getting together again with them when this is all over. And finally, on a personal note, we got a lot of direct messages and some tweets and emails from people thanking me and Nancy and the Tech Savvy At Risk Youth for keeping the Lovecast going at this time. We were very touched by all those messages. And yes, we are going to keep the show going. All right, if you want me to read your tweet on an upcoming episode of the Savage Lovecast, be sure to use the hashtag Savage Lovecast. And now your response calls. Hi, I've got a comment when you and Kristen were talking about um, polyamorous couples needing to maybe go down to just one partner. I think when there's a pandemic, all behaviors need to change. People can't go or shouldn't go to church or synagogues or mosques. 
So you're not saying anything wrong about polyamory. It's just we need to shift how we're behaving in these weird times. So all the love to the polyamory community, hunker down, and we're all going to get through this together. Hi, Dan. I'm calling in response to the caller in episode 701, who is in a relatively new relationship with a guy who has been her friend for eight years. I think another tidbit worth mentioning is that it might take some time for this guy to get used to thinking about his friend, now his girlfriend, as a hot, kinky sex partner with whom it's okay to be assertive with. If they have great sex and it's something they both actually want, it should develop in that direction naturally over time. Hey, Dan and Nancy and the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth. I'm a voice teacher, and I just wanted to call and say the preacher, the reason he sounds like shit is because his vocal cords are scarring. And soon, if he keeps shouting and talking with terrible technique, he won't have a voice anymore. So he won't be able to say all that horrible shit. (laughs) Talk about smiting. And we're going to leave it there. 206-302-2064 is the number here at the Savage Lovecast. If you want to record a question or a comment for a future show, give us a buzz, 206-302-2064. Or better yet, use the Voice Memo app on your smartphone to record your question and email it to us at voicemail at savagelovecast.com. And we want to keep opening the show every week for now with your quarantine sex stories. If you are having good sex at home with your sheltering in place partner, whether something you're thinking about or remembering or fantasizing about or planning, give us a buzz, share your story. We might open the Savage Lovecast with it next week. And as ever, you can give the gift of the Savage Lovecast to your Savage Lovecast fans who might need a bigger dose of the Savage Lovecast at this time. Go to savagelovecast.com, click on the gift box. Follow me on Twitter at Fake Dan Savage. Follow Pete Dominic on Twitter at Pete Dominic. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and the tech savvy at risk, you and Nancy. We'll all be back at you next week with an installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thank you for downloading. Stay safe. Mm-hmm.